Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. I'm your host, David Williams, and this is Hoop Ball Grizz. Welcome back to the show, guys. I have a crossover uh, show coming up for you. You'll hear Lyle with his entry coming in the beginning of the show. Lyle is our guy, our Pelicans guy here at Hootball. I appreciate him coming together with me and doing another joint episode. It's always fun to have uh, have Lyle on. I enjoy our chats. Enjoy the show. Guys, welcome back. It is I, Lyle Swithenbank, back with another installment of the Pelican Scoop. I hope everyone's going well on your, oh, what is it today? Wednesday, Perth time, I suppose. Uh, might be Wednesday morning when this comes out. Uh, we're back. The Pels, they've had a win today. We are joined by a very special co-host. I reckon uh, we'll go with the title. Is uh David Williams from Hoopball Grizz. How you going, mate? Good, man. Well, it could be better, you know, if the Grizz had won this game, but uh, going going all right. Well, I mean, I'm on cloud nine, as you can as you can imagine. But um, yeah, it wasn't all wasn't all good news after the uh, after the Pels game. Um, well, we're going to be talking about that today. That's going to be a that's going to be some good fun uh, breaking down the game and and talking about all the fallout from. Uh, from from thereafter, I guess, especially from the uh, from the Memphis camp. Um, what did you, what did you think of the game overall? I mean, result aside, uh, I thought it was a pretty hard fought match. It, it really was. You know, the Pels led the majority of the way, but it, the, there was a lot of uh, a lot of times when I felt like the Pelicans could have put it away, and the Grizzlies just one thing that they've done the, the young Grizzlies team all year is that they've continued to to fight you know like the grind city is uh you know they're living up to that right you know it's not the same style as the old grit and grind grizzlies but these guys they don't give up so you know even when they were down they were still trying to fight to bring it back and the pelicans the uh specifically for me one of the things that, that i picked out in the game was the the time management for zion he was, you know, the, the Pelicans were doing great when he was on the floor and that, you know, not they were doing awful at any point really, but they were doing great when he was on the floor and they took him out and let him rest a little bit and then let him come back in to close the game. So that was, uh, I think that that was extremely important because when Zion was off of the floor and I hate to give him that much credit, but when he was off of the floor, the Grizz were, uh, were kind of clawing their way back into it. Yeah, and they've been talking about that throughout the uh, the last. I suppose the bubble resumption is this burst management. I've never heard of the the phrase. I suppose it's a bit of a buzzword, so they can explain it. And, and, and they've been talking about with Zion that they were going to play him in. Um, I suppose bursts, so he play three or four minutes, and then he comes off it, so that he doesn't exert himself. For more reports, because he had the thirteen days out of the bubble, he he went. Um, out of the bubble for personal reasons, I think family emergency, he uh, he didn't get all of the scrimmages and then the, uh, the I suppose, trainings and the like and the five-on-five that um, all the other, the rest of the team got. And, and what the sports scientists had come out and said and the medical staff is that we're not going to play him uh, continuously. We don't want to overexert him because what will happen is that he'll break down or, well, that seems to be the reading between the lines report, is that they'll play him um, overplay him and then ruin him for the future. You know, 
he's he's the key piece for this team going forward. And sure. if we uh, if we overplay him now in this bubble, where really are we a chance to win the finals? I don't think so, uh, and I don't think many teams are. Oh, many people would, would agree with us. I mean, yeah, we're having a good crack. We might make playoffs, but we're, we're definitely not going to come out, in the, uh, out of the West. Happy to be corrected. But, uh, you know, for him, he's he's the piece for the next 10, 15 years. So, well, fingers crossed. And, um, yeah, we ruin him after 21 games. Well, yeah, more full yeah, us, I guess. It's, it's not worth it. And that's uh, that was the one thing. There were uh, a lot of... Grizz Twitter, they kept kind of taking cheap shots at the Pels. They're like, there's something shady going on with this whole Zion situation. And I'm like, it's not shady. It's not shady at all. He's the franchise player. The The Pelicans, more than likely, the Grizzlies as well, but the Pelicans, more than likely, are not going to win it all this year, just like you said. Why risk? He, you know, he's coming in. He, he has a lot of hype and, and deservingly so. Like he, he, he is a phenomenal athlete, but why risk the future? You saw Lonzo Ball and Brandon, In- Brandon Ingram have giant leaps forward this year. And you can only expect that, you know, Zion comes out and he's producing right out of the gate that you're going to see a uh, growth from him going into the next season. And so, your core, your young core is looking really good. Why risk the entire future by pushing him back too early? Because he, he's not going to be, you know, they say that you can be in shape but not in basketball shape, and that's uh, that's accurate, you know, like the just the, the up and down and start and stop and jumping, all of that. No matter what you're doing in the gym, you're not getting those same motions, and he hadn't had that for you know, what are we, four-plus months into the, you know, the shutdown and up until this point? I, uh, I Yeah, definitely... basketball fitness is completely different. Um, I completely agree. And, you know, we got photos of Zion, and he looked absolutely jacked. But pumping weights and running on a treadmill is not five-on-five five basketball fitness. It doesn't matter who you are. You know, everyone's going to come out rusty. And, and those scrimmages were there on purpose so that these guys could get their eye and get the rust out and, and improve. And, you know, when you miss those, that was a good chance for him to get some uh, some five-on-five practice, and unfortunately, he, he missed them. And uh, you know, I can see why they're not they're not rushing. You hit the nail on the head. And I, I think, um, yeah, we'll see him for years to come. The guy's what twenty years old. Mm-hmm. We don't want to burn him out in this weird bubble <laughs> experiment. Yeah. Um, when really we're not number one seed, we're not going to be close to number one seed, and we might not even get in the playoffs. You know the Portland Trailblazers are absolutely on a tear. So they're probably standing between us as well as the Grizz. The Grizz are still standing firm in that in that eight spot for now. Um so, you know, there's a few different uh teams that are that are probably in a more prime position to get in there at the moment than we are. So um yeah, I mean I, I can see their their cautiousness with us. Yeah. If the shoe was on the other foot, if it was Ja Morant and the Grizzlies were trying to catch the Pelicans. And Ja is coming back. For me, as much as I want to watch Ja play and I want to see the Grizzlies make the playoffs, if we need him to recover, I'd rather him to, hey, just set out and recover. Get better. I want you to come back strong for next year. There's no way that I want to risk the entire future of a you know a first-round draft pick just to – you know, basically be sacrificed to the Los Angeles Lakers in the first round. I I'm, I have zero interest in that at all. So I, I would love I would love for the Grizzlies to get there. I'd love to, for them to get it, but not at the risk uh, of an entire career of one of the young guys. Absolutely. I mean, it's lambs to the slaughter really against this Lakers side. I mean, even I think Portland's probably the only team that really might challenge them based on all the players that they've got back. They're a, they're a playoff side, I, I truly believe, um, fully healthy. And getting use of Nurkic back has been a huge boost for them, Zach Collins, as well. So, I mean, for Pelicans, we've got a whole heap of guys that are 22 years old and, and younger. You know, your prime isn't until you're 26, 27, 28. These guys can grow together. That's a team where you go, all right, these guys are dangerous. Let's keep them all together. But Memphis is exactly the same. Whole heap of young guys... Now's not the time. I think Pels and and uh, 
and Grizz are going to be the two that really have these meteoric rises up the um, up the yeah, standings in years to come. The, the the next few years with these two teams, it, it's going to be fun to watch. It, it really is because of the young core. You know, for Memphis, you have Brandon, Ja, Jaron. Dylan, whether he's there or not, you know, DeAnthony Melton, there's a lot of young guys in this core. And then, you know, the Pelicans are the same way with, you know, Josh Hart, Zion, Lonzo, and Brandon Ingram. And, you know, like, I, I don't know how much, because I, I haven't watched a ton of Pelicans this year, but how much is Nikhil uh, Alexander-Walker played this year? Has has he put in a lot of minutes, and, and what's he looking like? So he's a handy he's a pl- handy player. I mean, his summer league I think overhyped him. Um, and coming into the season, that was something everyone was like, "Yep, he's going to contribute straight away." He's like Shea Gilgis Alexander from the Thunder. He's his cousin. So there was all this hype. They were comparing him already. He's the same sort of size, same sort of length, and he was up and down. I mean, he was a rookie, so you know he had these these flashes of brilliance, and then otherwise he had some absolutely terrible moments, and and that. I think really shook his confidence from all reports. He follows JJ Redick around like a, like a glove. He, he is just absorbing how to be in the league. And um, yeah, I spoke to a few of the, the beat writers and the like who, who cover the Pelicans a bit more closely than I do. And um, they were saying that this guy is just absorbing everything. He's learning from them in the scrimmages. We saw a whole heap of, of uh, uh, Nikhil and he looked good. You know, he looked confident. Some of his shots are, uh, understandably a bit rushed and, and, you know, he, he overplays it a little bit, but he was running the point. He looked like he was comfortable out there against NBA veterans. And, you know, I think he's going to be all right. I, I think there's a lot of people out on him, but for me, I, I think he's going to be okay. And I think he's going to be a solid contributor. You know, I, I saw, I watched the, uh, the Clippers uh, game where we got absolutely destroyed. Nikhil got a lot of minutes because it was a lot of garbage time. For the most part, we're down by 40 at one point. And Mark Jackson was the commentator on the uh, the TNT schedule, and he said, well, Frank Jackson and Nikhil Alexander-Walker look like guys that could be contributors in an NBA team for years to come, you know. And that's huge props for these guys that are really in – the infancy of their careers. You know, point guards don't learn their craft craft overnight, especially not NBA point guards. There's, I mean, John Morant might be the exception. He's pretty handy. But for the most part, it takes a bit of time to play uh, both sides of the ball and, and run an NBA team. So, you know, I, I have a lot of uh, confidence in Nikhil, and I think he's going to be pretty handy going forward. I mean, JJ Redick teaching him. That's not a bad mentor to have. Yeah, yeah, that's a guy that's... Uh... You know, you hear about his his work ethic and and what he does, and you know he he's been in the league for a while and he's been successful. You know, he, he's definitely a good one to have around. Uh, you know, for for the young guys, and and that's what you need. The the Grizzlies had that kind of at the beginning of the season and trade deadline move that, but uh, it it worked out okay. They're they're still in good shape. With the injury to Jaron Jackson, that's a, a huge, huge loss. So, you know, the, the the forecast for the rest of the season is not looking all that great. But this season, to me, you know, I said it on my last podcast, and, and I'll say it, even if the Grizzlies miss the playoffs at this point, this has been a successful season. They won more games in a shortened season than what they were projected to win in a full season. They're a young team that's... You know, they're overachieving early, and it's good to have this much success early. You know, they're playing games right now that are meaningful games, that it's a fight that, you know, you're not going to put somebody down 25 and they're just going to give up. You put down somebody, you know, you get up 25 on somebody, they're going to fight. There's going to be runs, and it's good for them to have this type of experience. 100%. And the young... Uh, teams, you know, these guys are rebuilding. Both teams are in rebuilding. I think it might have been you that tweeted it, actually. You said, this is the first year of a uh, um, of a rebuild. They've overachieved, you know. This is a team that is sitting in the eighth spot, um, the, the Memphis being that, um, who were meant to just completely rebuild a team with a whole heap of young guys, and all of a sudden you've made the playoffs. The expectation is that these guys are going to continue to grow. If this is year one, 
what does year five look like? You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it's, exactly. it's exciting. These guys shouldn't be in contention. <laughs> that's that's the whole thing, is that people are, are now like, oh, Grizz, it's Grizzlies to lose, and, and, you know, they've got everything against them. But it's still been a pretty good season. If I'm, you know, I, I have a, a real affection for the Grizzlies, and I think they've had a pretty good year. I mean, Pelicans as well. But, uh, you know, <laughs> you're pretty happy for a uh, for a team to achieve as they have. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I actually, that was a retweet, uh, Joe from Grizzly Bear Blues. He's the one who tweeted ah, that out. But yeah, I saw it and I'm like, yeah, that's, it. that's exactly right. It's, it's easy to forget that this is the first year of a rebuild because of how much success they had. And, you know, I love to see that as a fan base, the, the Grizzlies fans, we get to be so invested in this team already and, and invested in the wins and losses when they really shouldn't matter because we're, you know, it's the first year of a rebuild, but because of how much they, how much success they've had already, we're, we're invested in it. We want to win every time we want to make the playoffs that there's a man. It is. If this, if the teams read social media, like if they're on social media and they're looking and obviously, you know, they're not following all of these little accounts or whatever, but you know, like if they see some of these tweets, I'm just like, Oh man. Cause you know, it's one game. They love a guy and the very next game. It's like, get him out of town. And and that drives me nuts, man. You know, I, I, I hate that so much that people give up on these young guys so fast. It doesn't, it doesn't take much at all. There was, uh, what one, um, he, uh, he met, he tweeted out that the foul trouble for Jaron Jackson was going to be a career long thing. And he had basically given up on him already. And then the two games out, yeah, he got in trouble in the scrimmages, but the two games after, like the, the last two games, he's done well. And he did struggle. He has struggled with, with foul issues, but he would, he'd have long stretches during the season where he wasn't having that issue. And so it does, when it pops up, it seems like it comes in bunches, but I don't think that it's going to be a career long thing. I think he's 20 years old and he wants to be an elite defender. And so he's making mistakes and, and it, like I say, it just, uh, infuriating to watch people flip flop on these guys as much as they do. And I mean, they're more than happy to celebrate when he has a massive block, you know, like these defensive plays, it takes time to learn how to play NBA defenses. These guys that are charging down the lane at you, they're not slouches. They're not college players. They're not high school players. These are the best of the best in the whole world. So you know, I think it's tough to, to get on these 20-year-olds and expect, expect all of these, uh, you know, the all-star levels at 20 years old. I think that's, especially for big men, it takes a bit of time to develop. I mean, have a look at, at another big man at, at uh, Memphis, Valanchunas. You know, at the Raptors, he was always in trouble with his fouls. He was, you know, in and out of, of lineups. He started, he was in the bench, and they're saying, this guy has all the tools but he can't put them together. All of a sudden, what is he now, 26 or 27? He's playing really, really good basketball. And I think that is a completely perfect example as to what these young big men can become. You know, the Pelicans have got Jackson Hayes, exactly the same thing. This guy was meant to have a red shirt year. All of a sudden, he's playing because Derek Favors goes out with um, with injury and, and he had some personal things going in his life as well. I don't think it's fair to, to rule these young blokes out. You know, another guy that I've seen uh, from the Memphis uh, side of things is Dylan Brooks. Why is, are people getting on him so hard? I think he's a good player. I think he's pretty handy. He, I, it's mostly shot selection. You know, he, he's not played well, uh, essentially since he signed his, uh, his contract. Since he, in January... He was on fire. He had a really, really good January. He signed a three-year contract. And then after that, he kind of fell off the face of the earth, man. He just is not, he's had a game here or there. But one of the, one of the things that he does that is an issue, but it's not the biggest issue with the team is he will pull up from three and not even really a clean look all the time, really, really early in the shot clock. 
And in the Blazers game, especially not the not this game, not you know they were playing from behind for the majority of the Pelicans game, but in the Blazers game they were playing with a lead late, and he would come down early in the shot clock and just jack up a three, and people were just letting him have it, and, and that's you know he. One thing that I like, I I love Dylan Brooks on the defensive end. I like him overall as a player, and and I wasn't really giving him. Yes, he was making bad decisions, but it wasn't upsetting me as much as it was the other people. But he he's not afraid. He's not he's not scared on the defensive end, and he has supreme confidence on the on the offensive end that he can score on anybody or he can score at any time. And so he can attack the basket. He can shoot it from outside. He just hasn't been doing that. And his numbers have been pretty awful. And it's, you know, like the, the Grizzlies as a whole, um, in the bubble games, they're shooting 28% as a team from three. And that's a, that's a pretty, it's a really low number, but they're really right around where they were in the regular season as far as like, Overall, in the you know in the regular season they were at thirty four percent and they were around the the bottom ten of the league and then you know at twenty eight percent obviously you know they're going to be in the bottom three out of the twenty two teams that are in the bubble. So it, it's more than just Dylan Brooks, but he was just the scapegoat. He was the easy one. Okay, he we have the lead against the Blazers. He comes down, jacks up a three. Blazers go down and score. Comes down again, jacks up another three. And it's, you know, five or six seconds into the shot clock. And so a lot of people just started throwing heat his way. And, and that's been kind of the case all year with him. He he, uh, he will just make bad decisions. And I think that uh, Taylor Jenkins said that he had a talk with him. And he was better in the Pelicans game. He, he made... He still had a couple where he pulled it maybe a little bit too early, but he was making better decisions and being a little bit smarter. And I think he gets tunnel vision a lot. He will drive to the basket and there'll be somebody wide open in the corner and he doesn't always see it because he's so focused on getting to the rim. So that, that's something, you know, not everybody has vision. You know, John Moran, if he's making that same drive, he's going to see the guy in the corner. He's going to kick it across so they can, you know, get the wide open three. Dylan Brooks is not there. He's just not. And so he ended up being just a scapegoat for uh, everything that was going wrong with the Grizzlies. Yeah, it makes it tough. You know, these young guys, <laughs> I understand you know, the shot selection and the like, and that happens with young guards. You know, they get be excited. Um, I mean, we've seen it at the Pels, Frank Jackson's, perfect example another guy um that likes to overuse the ball in the bubble admittedly he's been pretty good but i feel for these guys i mean if i was getting criticized as a 24 year old uh at my job i'd be <laughs> i'd be i'd be in uh yeah feeling pretty rough about it but you know these guys i suppose professional athletes and, and um they've got to play to the system and, they, and they've got to improve and so hopefully dylan brooks snaps out of the uh, the up down sort of offensive game that he's had and, and puts it all together. I mean, on the defensive end, he's pretty handy. He's, he's guarded uh, some uh, some of the big players throughout the journey. We've got Josh Hart that does the same thing um, off the bench at the, uh, at the at the Pels. And I think the uh, the defense first mentality for a lot of guys um, is something that you don't, not all players have, but um, I do enjoy seeing it with a few of the guys. Yeah, I think Josh Hart and Dylan Brooks are really comparable players in kind of their their play style and that you know both both of them work hard on the defensive end and you know I think Josh Hart they they were talking about it I was listening to the game and listening to the announcers and the uh the Pels announcers were talking about how he's kind of adopted the uh defensive and rebounding role even you know from the guard position and how since he's done that his offense is kind of just it came, it came along, you know, you put in the work shooting the ball, but he was struggling. And then when he just said, you know, okay, I'm going to focus on defense and rebounding. The offense just is kind of flowing for him a little bit better now. And maybe it's not every game. And like I said, you, you definitely know more about that than me, but it, it seemed 
you know, watching the game and watching the, the few Pelicans games that I have this year, I think those two are really, really comparable in, in their play style and what they do. I, I feel like Josh Hart may make better decisions overall than Dylan Brooks, but don't know for sure, man. And, and I, I go back to the, the youth. Dylan Brooks is kind of, you know, he's been in the league for a little bit now, but, but he's not an old guy. You know, it's, it, it's not like he's a seven or eight year veteran. He's played just over two seasons worth of games. He's been in the league three years, but just over two seasons worth of games with injuries and stuff. And so some of the mistakes he's making is just from lack of experience and, a lot of a lot of people are ready to give up on him. A lot of the fans are ready to give up on him, and you know, let, let's just trade him and send him out and bring in Zach Levine or, you know, plug in any kind of dynamic shooting guard that can score off the dribble and shoot the three, and they're ready to send Dylan Brooks out in a package to get somebody else. I still think Dylan can be the guy. I just he he has work to do. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Zach Levine would be an interesting addition to that team. Uh, he would be that dynamic scoring guard, but he needs a ball in his hands. And I think Jar does as well. So, you know, you give up complimentary pieces like uh, like a Dylan Brooks or something like that and bring in a, a guard that likes the ball. Are you then eating into Jar Morant's development? You know, these are all things that I think people like the flashy names and... Mm-hmm. Don't think of the whole team building. That's not a knock on people. You know, people want to see the stars and people want to see the exciting uh, the exciting players, especially the casual fan. But you need to build a team that is going to work together. And I think, you know, Dylan Brooks, was he 22, 23 years old? I think he's still got a lot of development. He signed a three-year deal. I'd like to see what our conversation is going to be like in, in three years when we see that perhaps he turns into a, at least a solid defender and I think a solid two-way guard. He might not be an all-star, but... You've already got two potentials there with, with JJJ and uh, and Morant. So um, a third one, you'd just be being greedy. Yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> it, it wouldn't surprise me at all at some point if Brandon Clark turns into an all-star. And He's that's, a gun. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, you, you want to see your guys improve, and you, you would love it if you had more than two all-stars, but I say it, it's a little bit greedy because you just you don't see that. It, it's uh, – Unless it is guys kind of stars moving from team to team, joining other teams, it's not very common that you see three all-stars on one team. So if the Grizzlies end up developing three all-stars, you know, great. That, that's good for uh, Grizz fans, good for the team, good for the coaching staff, because that means they're doing something correct in developing. But, uh, yeah, I I don't know, man. I, I don't know that uh, – I don't know that Brooks will ever be an all-star, but I think that he he will be a key piece moving forward for the Grizzlies, and I think that he can I think he can fulfill the role that the Grizzlies uh, a lot of Grizzlies fans feel like they're missing. He just needs a little more time to develop. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, JJJ does as well. Morant does. Zion does. Lonzo Ball does. You know, these guys, twenty-two years old. We're going to be talking about some of these guys in some pretty esteemed, uh, you know, air of esteem, I guess, in in, um, in the coming years. You know, some of these guys are going to be all right. Brandon Ingram, for us, you know, he was sort of written off a bit at the Lakers. Some guys really liked him. Other people were like, well, he's not that good. But you play next to LeBron. I mean, is anyone good by comparison? He's pretty handy, <laughs> old LeBron. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, you bring him down to the Pelicans, you give him, I don't know, 20 shots a game let him be the guy, put the ball in his hand, and all of a sudden he develops into arguably the most improved player of the year and uh, and an all-star. So it's just a wait-and-see approach. You know, guys take a bit of time to develop, um, and, and it'll be interesting to see how these teams, I suppose, turn out. You know, I want to see these guys all together in, in four years where they're all sitting at 26 years old, and I want to see the Pelicans and the Grizzlies in the Western Conference Finals, I think. <laughs> I want I want to see, a, like, for me, I like the, the games on Christmas. I want to see the Grizzlies play on Christmas. That's, for, for me, that's like a, a goal. Obviously, Western Conference Finals, that would be great. That's 
bigger than the Christmas Day game, but I would like to see a, a head-to-head between these two. And I think with, you know, the star power that you have between the two teams moving forward, I think that that is uh, something that is likely to happen. It'll probably happen this year, I think. The way they have, or the broadcasters have uh, this infatuation with Zion, um, I think that the ESPN will be all over that, and they'll be uh, they'll be trying to get him in there. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all, uh, especially at Jar Morant, number one, number two. They're trying to build this rivalry, but the, they seem to just be friends. Um, yeah. So <laughs> uh, they're not really getting the uh, the fierce rivalry that they were looking for. More a few guys hugging out, and uh, I love that photo um, of the two guys hugging afterwards and chatting together. Yeah. I, I think um, that's the camaraderie that. That if you don't play in the NBA, you don't really get to experience firsthand. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and and, and Ja, he has multiple times, you know, he, he's mentioned, like, those guys have supported each other. And that's, you know, uh, Zion, when he's asked about the rookie of the year, you know, he said, hey, Ja's went out there and he's done what he's needed needed to do in order to deserve the award. Obviously, I want to win it, but if he wins it, he's done what he, he needed to do. And so he's kind of given him props there. And, you know, that, that picture of those two together, uh, John Morant tweeted out something along the lines of, you know, as much as the, the media wants it to be a rivalry, it'll be nothing but love between the two of us because we're like brothers. Yeah, for sure. These guys, that, well, I mean, they're growing up together, aren't they? They were put in the same boat by all of these external forces and, and, now they're forever going to be linked, I guess. Pick one, pick two of a, of a draft where both of them are transcendent talents. It's it's pretty exciting to see. I don't think we've seen a, a, a one-two uh, relationship, I suppose, as well. Both going in the same conference, both playing each other, what, four times a year. Um, mm-hmm. Plus, if we made playoffs, we'd be playing even more, you know. I think it's, um, it's exciting, and I think these two guys are, are going to be household names I mean, they're already sort of are fringe household names. Zion definitely is just from the, the publicity, and I think most people know who Ja Morant is as well. I know um, I'm all over him. I think he's he's awesome. <laughs> um, so, you know, these guys are going to be a couple of all-stars that uh, we're talking about, like we talk about LeBron and Dwayne Wade and, and Carmelo Anthony and all these guys that have done it before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. Man, what was... So coming into this game, both teams were 0-2. I know for the Grizzlies, I you know I, I tweeted about it and I talked about you know they they're not shooting the ball that well. They're, you know their field goal percentage has dropped. Um, they're not rebounding the ball as well, and they're fouling more. That was three things that the Grizzlies were kind of struggling with in the bubble. But what would you say like the the Pelicans in their two losses prior to? the the Grizzlies game, what would you say their biggest issue was? Um, settling settling for jumpers. I think um, the hero ball, when you get up against it, guys try to take it up upon themselves to try to make a bucket, and, and I understand that, but then the ball sticks. And we played best when we can move the ball quickly and get up and down the court. Um, there was a perfect play in the Memphis game where Lonzo threw it, he got the rebound and threw it from the key of, of one uh, or from the paint of one end and hit Drew Holiday at the other end who then laid it in with an and one. If we move yeah. the ball quickly, we score. The half-court sets, our half-court offense gets hammered and, and if we have to play slow, we don't play well. Um, and I think that's what the Clippers were perfect at is that they had a switching defense that we just couldn't exploit. And, um, you know, to get beaten by... I mean, we should have lost by 40 points. We won by 20 against the Clippers. I uh, lost by 20 against the Clippers. Uh, we didn't deserve. That was the the bench that dragged us back in garbage time. 26 of points or whatever it was was not uh, should not have been the final score. And um, we're lucky that that was all it was um, because we looked stagnant. So that was one thing I, I think is is the hero ball, the the, the lack of movement. Uh, number two was not getting the defensive rebound, not finishing the the play, and I harp on it every episode, and people probably get sick of it. But the defense, the your defensive play doesn't stop until you secure the rebound, and that was something I think we did better against the Memphis Grizzlies, but we hadn't done previously. We we're getting killed. We got killed by guys like um, 
uh, Zubac from uh, the Clippers and, and then before that at the Jazz, Rudy Gobert turned the whole game. Um, so we can't rely on on someone else to grab the ball. You know, it can't be the guards. Derek Favors has to clunk that. And um, it will Jackson Hayes when he comes on. And they're not huge rebounding guys, but um, they're guys that definitely need to, to do that. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's probably the two main ones. Also not relying on someone else to to get it done. So there's been times where we relied on JJ Redick. He'd come off the bench and there was uh, he was huge in the Utah game. I think he had 21 points. Um, and guys that aren't always considered, I suppose, the number one option, whether that be, um, yeah, we can't wait for someone else to make a move. You know, if Zion is going to be the guy and he's only playing three minutes bursts, we can't expect him to have 30 points to win us a game. And I think sometimes the rest of the team goes, oh, B.I. will go and get us a bucket or Zion will go and get us a bucket. Um, And I don't think that is something that we should do going forward. I think everyone needs to be accountable and and everyone needs to make a bucket. You know, Lonzo is more than capable to play uh, as a lead scorer as well and and a facilitator. And if he's not on, well, we can't then just go and say, oh, Lonzo's not on, we're not going to win. So I think the guys really need to step up with that and, and, and all be accountable. Accountability, that's the word I'm looking for. Everyone needs to be accountable. Yeah, I know uh, B.I. had a uh, big fourth. He, he played very well to uh, to close out the game, and that was, um, you, you know, the defense on him was solid, but he it was just better offense. You know, they were contesting the shots, and he's just so long. Like, his frame reminds me a ton of Kevin Durant, and and – you know, when you and I had been doing shows before, I think I said that, you know, he, he's just long. And unless you have somebody, you know, if the Grizzlies had Jaron Jackson guarding him, and I don't know that, that Jaron is quick enough to stick with him. Maybe he is, but they don't really have anybody on defense that has the length that can really, really contest his shot because of his build. And so he, he was putting in work in the fourth and, um, yeah, you know, it's you, you definitely have a lot of offensive weapons. The uh the game that I went to down in New Orleans around New Year's, Lonzo had a uh, a twenty point triple double down there. It was crazy. There was I was super upset because my kid loves the Rockets. He loves Russell Westbrook. And Westbrook does not play when he comes to Memphis. We we've been to a ton of games and he just sets out. And I'm like, okay, we're going to New Orleans. They're playing, the Rockets are playing the Pelicans. We'll get to see him down there. And like the entire Rockets team was setting out. It was, uh, it was crazy how many people were setting out in that game. And that's, it was around the time that it was possible that Zion was going to come back. And so I was kind of hoping maybe that would happen. And then obviously he didn't come back till later, but they, they were teasing that off and on. And so that would have been good, but we, you know, we got to see Lonzo Ball put up a triple double, so that was a that was a good thing. But he's definitely, like you say, he's more than capable. A lot of it depends on if his jump shot has fallen. Yeah, and I mean, his knock earlier on in his career was that he had a, a silly looking jump shot, and it just was clunky. He rebuilt it in the off season, probably took a uh, month, month and a half to really get his legs under him, and then it started falling and. Statistically, he was playing as a like top ten point guard in the league. Which, um, you know, when you mention Alonzo Ball, you get all of the uh, oh, his dad this, and oh, you know, he's passed first and he shoots from his hip. But he actually turned into an absolute beast for uh for a stretch. And I think I credit him as as part of the reason that we were in the position to actually finish what eighth or, or ninth or, or tenth and and get into this bubble. You know. We look like we're on a real tear before the hiatus hit. I credit to him, I guess. It's pretty handy. Yeah, yeah, he he definitely gets more hate than what he deserves, and and a lot of that I think um, stems from his dad and the type of uh, attitude and stuff that he brings whenever somebody puts a microphone in front of him. The good news is, you know, there's not been a lot of people putting microphones in front of him, and New Orleans is not nearly the stage that Los Angeles is. So he doesn't, there's not as many opportunities for that. 
that Lonzo's always been a soft-spoken guy and just kind of goes out and lets his game do the talking. Yeah, for sure. And I think moving out of the spotlight of LA has helped him. I mean, he's no longer getting hounded all the time because um, LeBron's there and, you know, he's had a chance to actually be a, an anonymous, I guess, to a degree NBA player, which um, I think as a young guy, you appreciate it's not until you become the high profile guys where everything is scrutinized that it really, the business side of things comes into play and and how you deal with things really uh, affects, affects you more. You know, he never had that chance to be the anonymous young bloke who got to develop his own star power. His dad sort of forced it on him by all the carry on and circus that he brought with, um, with uh, all of the media stuff and the big baller brand and building this brand himself, um, you know, I think Lonzo's a good player. And I think he's, he, he's another guy that we should definitely look at re-signing and making sure that uh, that core stays together because um, I like to see him play and he works well with Zion. He, he just throws the ball up there and Zion or, or Jackson Hayes get up there and get hold of it, which I think is pretty exciting. I like. Yeah, there was one play in particular um, that the Grizzlies made a three and then didn't get back, and Zion got behind the defense, and Lonzo just throws a dart to to Zion. And I'm like, man, I know you guys watch film on this team. Like, the Grizzlies, you've watched film on the Pelicans. Why are you – like, why is he behind the defense? Why are you not back? But – you know, it, it was it was great vision by Lonzo, an excellent pass, and then you know, Zion, his athleticism, and if you, you know, you chuck the ball, it seems like twenty feet in the air, and he's going to get up there and get it, you know, because he's so explosive. But you know, it was it, it was frustrating on the part that you know I'm a Grizzlies fan, I want the Grizzlies to win, and then they don't get back after a three, and the Pelicans get an easy bucket, but. From a basketball aspect, I can I can respect the play because of the difficulty of the pass, and then Zion being able to get up there and get it and throw it down after that. Yeah, absolutely, and you know he is a <laughs> he makes these passes that just you don't think anyone else can make at all, um, which I, I just really appreciate. I mean, it's good to have a guy like that on your team that. Uh, especially with the jumpers that we have and the athletic guys that we have. Um, you know, it's probably time to, I suppose, plug the sponsors. MyBookie.ag have been helping us over at Hoopball. Um, so make sure, guys, if you're doing your sports betting, whether it's Memphis or Pelicans or anyone else here over at, uh, at MyBookie.ag, uh, if you bet and they win, then they pay. So make sure you're all over those guys. Uh, another sponsor we have, here as well is the guys at manscaped.com. Uh, if you've seen my glorious moustache on Twitter, you know that I don't have one, but uh, I definitely have one on back order. The Lawnmower 3.0, go and get it. Uh, it is an absolute beast. Use the code HOOPBALL20 for that, and at my book, you use the code HOOPBALL to sign up. And uh, they support all of us here, so make sure you go and support them and, and look after us because we can't put all these together without their assistance. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's been good, David. Uh, so, what's the prediction going forward for the uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies? Uh, lo- losing Jaron hurts uh, hurts quite a bit. I you know I'd still like to see him make it just because I really don't want to see Lillard make the playoffs. To be honest. Um, if, and I, I will probably get shot by Grizzlies fans, but I would rather see the Pelicans make it than the Blazers. Good man. Just, yeah, just because that. like, I, I really, Damian Lillard, I, I like his game. I like what he does on the floor, but the amount of whining and crybaby stuff that he does off of the floor just irks me. And so I kind of just don't want to see them make it, but it doesn't look good. You know, the, the Grizzlies, Tyus Jones is out with the knee injury. Don't know how long he's going to be out. He's going to be reevaluated uh, today, I believe, which I don't expect him to be back today. I don't know 
that there was not a lot said about the severity of the injury with him being reevaluated in a week. I wouldn't think that it was something major, but, uh, you know, you're, you're missing Tyus Jones and that's a huge, I didn't realize how much difference that was going to make, but there were so many times DeAnthony Melton is a guy that he does very, very well working off of Tyus Jones and Melton has been essentially non-existent in this bubble with Tyus Jones being out. Um, just hasn't played well. He hadn't been himself. So missing Tyus Jones. And then obviously, you know, you're one or two offensive threat kind of depending on, on how you want to look at it. The, the best shooter on the team for sure. And Jaron Jackson, uh, huge defensive presence. I think because of where the Grizzlies are at in standings, they, you know, if they win a couple games, they're still going to be in the play in, but I, I don't know, man, you know, if, if I'm betting on it, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, I don't like their odds right now, you know, missing, missing two pieces. And we'll see. I would think that the, the Grizzlies PR would uh, let us know something today on Tyus, you know, like give us a, an estimate of when he's going to be back. But I, I don't know. Rest of the season doesn't look good. It does give them a chance that, that you got to play for it though. Whether you like, so if, if they make it, if they don't make it, whatever, the, the chance for a top pick doesn't change any from where they're at. You know, if they finish ninth or if they finish 11th, right? So it, it doesn't matter. Like your percentages for a top pick don't change. So you play, you play to win here. There's no, like you don't, throw the games or anything like that. You go out there, you play to win, you try to make the playoffs just to burst somebody else's bubble and go from there, gear, gear up for next year, let Jaron get healthy. And, you know, if they do fall out of the playoffs, maybe they get lucky in the draft and end up in the, the top few picks. I know it's, it's only protected top four this year. Anything outside of the top four picks goes to Boston. So, yeah, I, I just – um I am not very optimistic whenever it comes down to it based off of what the Grizzlies have lost. So what about you? What, what do you think the, uh, you think the Pels can build some momentum coming off of this win against the Grizzlies and maybe, uh, fight their way in there? Oh, so, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, going forward, sorry, I think I'm mute. <laughs> the, uh, going forward, I mean, I think the Pelicans, uh, hopefully can build a bit of momentum. Um, you know, they've got a fairly steady schedule going forward. Um, you know, the first two games, I think, were going to be the most difficult. Uh, I think Memphis were going to test us as well, which they did. Um, but, but pulling that win out, I think, from now on, we need to win every game going forward. I mean, the Portland Trailblazers are an absolute tear. I don't know if we're going to be able to be better than them um, and be able to trigger the play-in, at least, with um, with Memphis. But... It's just all up in the air at the moment, you know. I think we're healthy. I think Zion's building. I think if we drop another game, it'll change everything. But, um, yeah, as long as we're winning, uh, fingers crossed we can make into the playoffs. Otherwise, um, yeah, it'll be a good learning, uh, I suppose, team-building opportunity for everyone to get together and and, uh, and grow together. And, and then next year, I suppose, we gear up and hopefully get a healthy season out of everyone. Yeah, you know, this, uh, this projected strength of schedule or whatever for the Pelicans is, you know, kind of, it's on the, the lower end, which it was for them to finish the season. But if you look at it, it's not really all, you play Sacramento on Thursday and the Kings are one of the teams that are fighting for that spot. So yeah, they're playing you, well. Yeah, you know, they could have, they probably should have beat the Mavs yesterday and just uh, found a way to lose that game. You play them twice and you play the Spurs. So three out of your final five games are against teams that are fighting for the teams that are fighting for the same spot that you're going after. It's uh, it's definitely not a cakewalk. I think if you, uh, if the Pelicans come out and they beat the Kings in this first game, it kind of, puts the Kings in almost an impossible spot as far as jumping over them. So the second game should become easier at that point, but you never know. Like they, they got a game against the wizards follow, you know, they go back to back Kings and then wizards after that 
Wizards is a game that the Pelicans should definitely win. The Wizards are, you know, they're minus Bill, Wall, Bertans. It's just, it's a bunch of young guys playing for the Wizards. But the the Nets-Bucks game is a perfect example of you can't overlook any of these games, and especially when they mean something. When you have to win, you can't take it easy on any of these games. So one thing that I'm going to be watching moving forward for the Pelicans is kind of what they do with Zion and how he gets into it because the the game against the Grizzlies shows, you know, when he's in there to close the game, it really changes things for them because it gives them another option. You don't just have, you know, you've got Ingram and Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball. You, you have those guys, but Zion just brings kind of a, another presence on the floor to uh, just team up with that, and he definitely helped them close the Grizzlies game out. So I'm going to be watching for that. Grizzlies, theirs looks tough on paper, but they finish with the top three teams in the East, which their positions are going to be locked basically by the time the Grizzlies play them. So they could very well steal one or two of those games and force the play in. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see how it all plays out. Uh, David, I'd, I'd like to thank you for your uh, for your time today. I think we've had we've had another good one. Like we've uh, we've done yeah. pretty well. Um, yeah. Where can we find you? It's at dwill two one one one. Am I right on Twitter? That is correct. Yeah, and the show is at Hoop All Grizz. Appreciate you having me on do, doing this uh, co-show together. It's been great. And, uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe the Pels and the Grizz do, uh, meet up again in this play, and we'll see. I would, like I said, I would much rather it not just because you're on the show, but just because of my uh, extreme dislike of Damian Lillard. I would much rather see the Pelicans in than the Blazers at this point. So for sure, we could be doing it again in uh, in a couple of weeks. But uh, as always, I'm at Lyle Swithenbank at Hootball Pels as the show as well, mate. It is always a pleasure catching up with you. Uh, make sure you, you stay safe and, uh, yeah, I reckon we pack her up. All right, sounds good. All right, mate. Take it easy. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.